Amen. Appreciate that very much. Let's take our Bibles then and let's go to Luke chapter 2. Most appropriate, right? Luke chapter 2. The examples of Scripture are meant for us to follow. We have throughout Scripture, obviously, plenty of principles and uh, actual commands and so forth for us to obey, and we get them. I think as Western thinkers, those sometimes make good sense to us. We think straightforward in a straight line. For the Jew in particular, but really for all of us, there's a reality that a story tells us something. Now, you stop and consider God's inspired word, and the stories become uh, actually rather, rather critical. God wasn't just uh, meeting the, the, the word number requirements for a paper or for a publisher. <laughs> no, they, every word and all the words are very important, aren't they? And they're there, so they're there on purpose significantly. Um, it's important for us, and this is one of the reasons you're here, I trust, is to learn to rightly interpret Scripture, not to twist it, not to put a story on top of it, not to pull out of it what's not there. But we don't want to miss what's there. And often we do. We fly through it. Now, how many of you could probably, just as you think through it, you could probably quote Luke 2, verses 1 through 20 without looking? Yeah, all right, almost all of us. Um, tradition in my home, as I was a kid growing up, it was torturous. Dad always wanted to read the, we had to sing, Mom always wanted to sing a whole pile of Christmas carols, and then when my sister and I got big enough to play the piano for it, we'd have to go through and play all the piano, and it's like you had to sing every Christmas carol possible. And the presents are sitting right there. It's like, no. <laughs> and then Dad, and my father is, uh, I, okay, so you, you know, they usually say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. This apple fell far away. Now, my dad is not dramatic. He's a steady, eddy, faithful guy. Um, I guess I blame the, blame the Norwegian side for all my drama. I don't know. Anyways, my mom's side. Um, uh, dad is, so he would read the scriptures in this almost uh, what I might describe as pastoral type voice. Um, and, and as I grew older, grew, grew, grew older, there we go, I can talk. Um, grew older, it was, I, I, you know, I was convicted. I wanted to, to try to listen. And it was really hard. It just was really hard. And trying to, okay, yes, thank you, Lord, for being my Savior. Now can we open the presents? Um, anyways, was, all right. So what happens in a familiar passage is we often overlook what was re what's really there. So I'm trying. I realize that many of you are tired. I under understand that today. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to dig super deep or try to get too, uh, uh, not, not pontificate on a specific passage too deeply because I'll lose you all. You all fall asleep. But I think there are some really big truths for us to catch today that are actually vital for how we live out this time. Stop and consider as you think through, and we're going to read it in just a second, as you think through this narrative, Mary and Joseph coming to Bethlehem, the shepherds hearing the announcement, running to the manger to see the babe, them telling everybody, Mary thinking through these things. What was God trying to tell us in this story? We have lots of doctrine. The amazing realization that God became man and dwelt among us, that's powerful. And that, that's a must. There, you know that only God's plan is the right way and the best way. He, he didn't do it haphazardly. God's work in the incarnation to provide salvation for mankind was perfect. That's cool. And yet there's this story that goes along with it too. 
What does he want us to learn from the story? Well, I, again, there's probably plenty of applications, and because God's word has an eternal value, there is, there's a, a mine here to, to continue to dig into and to understand, and I know that we're only going partway down the mine. But there are some jewels here that I think are precious for us. If I could put it this way, God, in his perfect plan from eternity past, in a moment of time, brought the Savior to us. And he was the one, no one else, he was the one that started the celebration. It seems to me reasonable to consider the fact that Christmas, it's very appropriate for us to have a right response to what God did now for us years ago. When he stepped into time, sent his son to be our savior. And he gives us some sweet examples here of how to respond to what I call worthwhile responses to great joy. Now, aren't you glad that Christ came to be our savior? <laughs> aren't you glad that Christ came to be our savior? Okay, amen. Yes. Where would we be? Where would we be? In rebellion to God, facing eternal judgment. Outside of Christ, that is our future. But in Christ, because God loved us, he sent his son to be our savior. And this is worth celebrating. So now, with those thoughts in mind, let's see, what was the responses to this great joy? It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Then all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. I'm so glad that when I pay my federal taxes, I don't have to go all the way back to Denver, Colorado every year to pay. All right? And I, I would have a car or an airplane to take. Mary and Joseph had a donkey. And yes, it wasn't millions of miles away, but it was a hike. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, Scripture is always careful with details. This child that's to be born is virgin born, exactly as God desired it. To be taxed with Mary's espoused wife, being great with child. I, as a pastor, you're always very judicious in your words, at least you try to be. Um, and to talk to a, a dear lady that's almost about ready to have birth and call her great with child is usually not a nice word. They don't appreciate that, right? Uh, but the scripture, again, being honest. Uh, she, was, she was due any moment, all right? And it, came, and it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Again, the, the, the interesting dis details here. It seemed as though there was a plan. The days were accomplished. This wasn't random. This was on purpose. And even so, much more for, for God to make it on purpose. Uh, Paul picks it up in Galatians. He came at just in due time, at the right time. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there's the pretext of what we want to look at today. Here's the background story. 
It's all happened. Here's Mary and Joseph in a stable, in a manger. Uh, I would propose potentially it was actually often the, the, where the animals were kept were, were actually connected to the house. Um, if, if he had a lineage there, if Joseph had, he probably had family there, it would have been very inappropriate for the family not to care for them. And again, I'm reading between the lines. We're reading custom and culture. It could be, actually, it could be, and please note my words, it could be that actually as the, all this family gathered together, it's like going to grandpa and grandma's house for Christmas. Um, there's how many people sitting around the table, and you know, the, all the grandkids are on sleeping bags you know, under the ping pong table down in the basement or whatever, all right? There's people everywhere. Well, they, they show up and Mary's expecting. She's great with child. It, it's going to be accomplished. What can we do to give them a moment of privacy? There's no place else but where they keep the animals. And that necessarily wasn't a bad place. It was warm. They cleaned it up. That stone stable there in the manger was a great place. Put some straw in it, find a comfortable place for the child. And they had at least a moment of privacy. It could be that was the story. But that's the background. And that's actually just the beginning of what's going to happen. So now we come to verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field. Uh, that's their livelihood. That's where they kind of dwell. That's just their normal life. Can I put it that way? Keeping watch over their flock by night. Um, if any of you have ever worked third shift, um, that word watch is, is a loose term here. <laughs> they were more than likely sleeping near the sheep. And if there was any kind of ruckus, that was when they would be aroused. All right? So... And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. At least that's what they felt like. It's like all of a sudden, what in the world is going on? All right. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they accordingly were sore afraid. We pointed that out on Friday night. And the angel said unto them, fear not. Now how could this thunderous voice say fear not and them still not be afraid? And yet there is comfort in his voice. And there's a purpose for him declaring what's going to happen to these dear shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to not just you shepherds. God loves the world. Do you realize that there are people in this world right now that have no clue about this great joy? And God means it for them, too. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Uh, directions on how to find the child. Now, for you and me, I still, I still wonder about this. I, I realize Bethlehem's not, you know, a met metropolitan area. But uh, there's some children around. We discover that a little later, too. And it seems as when Herod, you know, probably sometime later, sends to slaughter all these children. There's some children around. Which, so I, I realize, swaddling clothes, of course, that would, be, that would be a marker that's maybe slightly unusual. They're poor, they don't have, they're traveling, they don't have much. Uh, but still, uh, I remember traveling in West Virginia. Is anybody from West Virginia here? We got, okay, we've got some great West Virginians. Yes, Brother Spencer, that's right. There we go. Um, and we were in, in the, the one, the, the capital of West Virginia, 
And this was back in the days before cell phones, before GPS, when people had intelligence and they could read maps. There you go. All right. And so we had our Rand McNally map out in the, in the Maranatha van. Um, and we, we couldn't, there was no, we saw the dot of the city on the map, but there was like no roads there. All right, well, and I, I knew my directions pretty well. I knew I needed to head west. But it's like, where do we go? So um, unlike most men, I was actually willing to stop and ask directions. I'm not sure how helpful it was, though, because they literally, I, I got, we had to stop a couple of times. They, they kind of, people knew where it was. Well, I finally got to the, the gas station guy that, of course, you go up the road, you're, it's going to turn into gravel road, and when you come to the big oak tree, go to the left. It's like, no street. It's like, there's not a name. No, no, it's just a big oak tree. Well, I start going up the mountain, and there's oak trees everywhere. I was like, what? It's, you know the old saying, you can't get there from here? Anyways. Well, sure enough, we're driving down the gravel road. It's like a, it's not even a two-lane. It's like a narrow two-lane. You know, you had to pull, anyways. You're climbing this mountain on this gravel, and then sure enough, there was the oak tree. It's like, it was, yeah, there it was. And bare to the left, and sure enough, I'm down the mountains, and then you come back down into a valley, paved roads again. It's like you're back in civilization. Um, whatever the instructions were here, they were clear enough because what happened? The shepherds found him. Um, God is quite efficient with his words at times. Isn't it amazing? So he gives the directions. Their minds start swirling. A Savior, Messiah, Messiah. They'd heard it all their life. Is this real? Well, then the Lord blows their mind. <laughs> the angel choir appears. And suddenly there was with the angel. So, all right, so, all right, your, your adrenaline is already running a little bit as a shepherd. An angel is talking to you. <laughs> the angel of the Lord appeared. There he is. Um, what did he look like? I, I don't know. I, I wasn't there. Anyways. And, and then, you're, okay, he says, fear not, gives you instructions, your mind is starting to, it's like you're starting to re-engage with reality for just a moment. And then the Lord blows them out of the water again, all right? A multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I can't wait to hear the angel choir one day. What's it going to be like? The shepherds got to hear first in their lifetime. In this life, they got to hear the angel choir. What a blessing. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, adrenaline slowing down just a little bit, but their heart so tender to the Lord. What, what, what should we do? What, we know what to do. Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which came to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came lollygagging around. <laughs> no, they came with haste. This is the greatest news of their life. And they weren't about to miss it. Everything else didn't matter anymore. They came with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad, notice these words, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. In my response, I could see myself telling you all about the angel choir. 
This is what they look like. This is what they saw. This is amazing. And neglect the message. These shepherds had such a tender heart to the Lord, they got it. They started telling everybody what the angel choir sang, what the angel had told them, what God had revealed to them. They made an ode abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. You couldn't stop them now. They returned glorifying and praising God. By the way, that word praise is the same word as the angel choir singing. It includes song. Um, I don't know how good of singers they were. We know David was a shepherd boy and sang quite well. All right? Um, my, my imagination immediately runs to a bunch of strong men um, bellowing out the praises of God, some good Jewish tune, and away they go. And maybe not on key, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're praising and glorifying God for all the things that they had. Now it finally comes. They had heard and seen but as it was told them, they were, they were declaring truth. Now, what is proper response to great joy? Well, what does God tell us? Number one, if you're going to take some notes, maybe you want to circle the words in your text so that, Lord willing, as you go through this Christmas break, you'll remember these and give God the right response to his great, great work for us. Sing praise. Verse 13, the angels praised the Lord. They gave glory to God. They realized that there was something on earth that was important, that God was bringing peace. He was offering favor to man. This was a Savior that was born for all people. And they got it. The angels declared the truth. Now, I know that we don't have angel voices today. But if God's response to this great news was to send a choir to sing, I think we should do some of the same. You say, Dr. Anderson, uh, my voice is not real great. I'm sorry, there's no exclusion here. Um, there's an entire book of the Bible that's a song book. It's meant to be used. And not just to mumble, but to sing praise. Use what God has given you and bring glory to God. It is most appropriate, young people, most appropriate for us at this season to sing much to our God. I trust, you say, I'm, yes, I'm one of those crazy guys that loves to have Christmas music year-round. My wife tires of it every once in a while, and I, I try to be gracious to her and shut it off. But I, I could sing Christmas songs. I don't know there's something about it. it it's, yeah, I, my life memories of Christmas are precious. Um, but there's something about praising God for coming to be my Savior that I just can't get over. I think that that's just a spiritual response to what God has done for us. And should not we, like the angels, sing praises? Um, years ago, I uh, came to Warren, Michigan, and started a teen choir pretty rapidly. Um, if some of you may know Pastor Brian Tannis. Pastor Brian Tannis is not a musician. And I was following his footsteps. Um, but he sang, by the way, just so you know. Um, and then eventually we worked together as a team. It was a joy. So anyways, I got a team choir going, and there was a young man all fired up for the Lord. He was a go-getter, challenging home situation, uh, ministered to his younger twin brothers for years. Uh, seeing them grow in the Lord was just exciting. Jamie, 
there was, Jamie is one kid that even I could not help him sing. I tried every way possible. He could not sing. But he came to me and said, Pastor Dave, Pastor Dave, can I, can I sing in the choir? Now, what should I do at that moment? Well, there's a side that says, I want my choir to sound well, but that would be wrong. One of the most delightful things in my life was to watch Jamie sing. Because his voice was cracked, but his heart was full of praise to God. And I couldn't help it. I wanted him in my choir. I wanted him to sing. He was declaring the glory of God with a cracked voice, and God was pleased. Oh, young people, sing. If the angels sing because God said so, then I think we should too. Second response, what else, what else happened here? Well, what did the shepherds do? They published, if, you want, if we're good doing alliteration today, they published the great news of what happened. And I already pointed it out to you. They, they didn't just go around declaring all the incidents, all the peripheral about what was real. They declared the truth, what God had told them. One of the greatest testimonies that you can have is simply to tell others what God has told you in his word. Your, your testimony, your personal testimony doesn't have to, have to be wrapped in some kind of highfalutin words. Pray, preach, declare God's word. Is God's word alive? It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. There, there are often times when people will thank me for the message I've preached. And I, I tell them this, and, and I'm, I'm telling them this because I'm telling me this. I often tell them, listen, if, if I got out of the way of God's word and you heard God's word today, then my heart rejoices. I'm just the messenger, and the best message I can declare is what God has already told us. It doesn't get better than that. I can't embellish it and make it somehow better. God's word is God's word, not mine. It has great value, and these shepherds got it. They went around declaring all the things that they had seen and heard as it was told them. Now, young person, what are you doing about the great joy of your Savior? Who have you published it to yesterday? This weekend, this past weekend. Like the shepherds, this is so overwhelming, you can't help yourself but declare it. Don't ever, don't ever get over your salvation and the reality of what God said about it in your life. And simply go about telling it, declaring it. You're going to go home for Christmas. Maybe some of you have unsaved loved ones that will be around you. It's Christmas for crying out loud. Don't neglect telling them about your Savior. One of the young ladies from Friday night that in our choir, and I, I don't even know her name. She, we talked afterwards. She was rejoicing. Her grandparents were there, both sets. They don't know the Lord. I suspect she's going to tell them more about the Savior. We told them about it in song and in word Friday night. Let's be about that. 
your life may be very, very packed, and I realize it probably is. But would you, like the shepherds, not get over your salvation so when there's a moment, even among us, encourage a heart, lift them up, and help them rejoice in their Savior. Publish the good news. And finally today, what did Mary do? Kept all these things, verse 19, and pondered them on heart. So the shepherds, I'm sorry, the angels praised, sang praise, the shepherds published, Mary pondered. Now, we're so used to this text, I was, as I was preparing to speak even today, I was mauling over the text and the narrative, and then it hit me. Um, as you know, I'm not a girl. Okay, you're awake again. All right, there you go. All right. And so I don't fully understand this, all right? But I observe it. I see it. Um, and ladies, this is, it seems as though God's on purpose made you this way. In fact, it's just some very good things because of this, that you demonstrate God's glory that we as men don't even understand how to. But you, you ladies like to communicate. Uh, we laugh about it and tease about it, but it's like you, you very seldom, you do some, but you very seldom see a, a young lady that's just by herself. There, it's always a little bit of a mob. I, I mean, a, you know, I just blew it, didn't I? Anyways, and that's okay. By the way, that's nothing to be ashamed of, all right? Um, as I've observed, I've, you know, I have three daughters, um, and some of you know little Dory. Um, she's a socialite. I mean, she, the moment the last prayer of any service is done, and, and then it's usually Abby and I are like, where'd Dory go? She's off finding all of her friends. Of course, my Drew is that way too. Anyways, I don't, I don't know, I have an explanation for that yet. But anyways, um, Dory's off and running and having a great time visiting with all of her friends. That's her life. She just thinks that way. Um, and hopefully she's an encouragement. If she ever becomes a nuisance, come tell me right away. I'll gently bring her back. I won't, don't worry, I, I, I won't punish her too hard or anything, all right? So anyways, it's typical for ladies to, when they think, they think together. Now, let me come to the point. Mary, as the mother of Jesus, took the time to build a relationship with her heavenly father in such a way that she didn't need to socialize about it. She pondered in her own heart. She had such satisfaction in her heavenly father that there was this relationship that only she and her heavenly father had. She pondered it in her heart. You read, and we don't have time today, but you read from chapter one what we would sometimes call the Magnificat. Mary's great hymn of praise to her God as she assimilates in her heart and mind what God is using her to do to become the mother of the Son of God. And that Magnificat is rich and full of Scripture. This Now consider, ladies here today, she was your age or younger, more than likely. Now I'm going to pick on the guys for a minute. When I was, you know, 18, I was a buffoon. I mean, I, 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 it's like my brain is just finally starting to wake up. I'm trying to figure out life and theology, and it's like, it's, it, I was a slow learner. It took me a long time, all right? And that's some of the guys. Guys realize that I'm probably not too abnormal in that. Give yourself time. Keep growing, all right? Anyways. And here was a young lady as a late teenager 
that knew Scripture well. Now, kudos to mom and dad probably in her home. But there comes a point at which every one of us must choose to say, God is my God. I'm going to follow him and love his word. And she imbibed in her heart. And here she is taking in all that God is doing. Now, what did she ponder? But Mary kept all these things. What did, what did she just hear? She just heard all that the shepherds had said about what God had said about her son. And she's taking it all in, wanting to understand and fully know. No wonder she was the one standing at the cross still. She knew what was going on. She, she was trying to grasp every precious truth that God was trying to tell her. No wonder we find her in the 120 in Acts chapter 2, in Acts chapter 1. Still pondering, still learning. I know, for most of you, you've heard the Christmas story for, just put your age down, and you've heard it that many times, often plus one. Don't tire of it. Continue to ponder the truth and the reality that your, your Savior came to die for you. That he was born in a humble place in a manger. That the angels sang of his glory. That God chose to use just good old shepherds to publish abroad the good news that the Savior had been born. That he came for you and for me. And all the outflow of that, let it find. You have a personal relationship with the Lord that's just yours. It's not mine, it's yours. Don't neglect your walk with the Lord. Let us be about singing God's praise. Let us declare, let us publish, let us ponder. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for its reality. Thank you that it meets us where we live. Thank you for the sweet testimony that you gave us in the angel choir that the shepherds give us in their rejoicing and publishing of that great truth that Mary gives us in growing in her love for the Lord and knowing her relationship and knowing the word of God well. Lord, as we have this opportunity again this year to to, to respond to the great joy of the birth of our Savior. May we please you in our response. May we follow the precious example that's been given to us. And may our hearts overflow with great joy. In your name we pray, amen.